It's a great privilege to welcome you to the house of the Lord this Sunday. Uh, it's wonderful to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. I think everybody knows that the pulse of this community is about education, and that means that at this time of year, uh, we're both excited about new possibilities, but we're also in a little bit of anxiety and trepidation about such things. And folks like Carlton Fisher are just a little bit peeved that they have to stop sitting on their back porch and enjoying life and actually have to do some work for a change. And we all feel a little, little bit of that this week. And uh, I've been getting allergy shots, and I've been sitting in the doctor's office for the required half hour after my allergy shots. And so I decided to read through the Bible once again. And I've started in Genesis, which we mostly do. And I've noticed something new again, I guess, and that is that as all the patriarchs embarked on something new, there were always two things that were said. Fear not, for I am with you. And I think at this time of the year, uh, as we all express honestly our, our fear and our anxiety, we need to be reminded that God says to us, fear not. And also to be reminded that he is with us and that there are things that we need to do, not only to develop ourselves and become better people, but also to make the world a far better place. And I think that's what this time of year is all about. So fear not, I'm with you always. And with that thought, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to please rise and join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. And we'll be reading responsibly. Let us sing of the Lord's great love forever. Let us declare that God's love stands forever. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Love and faithfulness go before him. Heavenly Father, we come this morning, and many of us do have anxieties about new situations and new jobs and new opportunities. Some of us may come this morning and not feel adequate for the kinds of tasks that they feel looming ahead of them. But we also understand that this time of year offers opportunities to experience places and relationships and successes that we never dreamed imaginable. And we come this morning with the confidence in your loving faithfulness that you will be with us always, that you will bless our endeavors, and that you will take our talents and our gifts and do with them infinitely more than we could ever imagine ourselves. Lord, bless this service. Help us to come away loving each other more completely and loving you more fully. In your precious name, amen.
It's because of God's blessing that we're able to come together today and join our hearts in praise and worship. And we're glad that you're here and want to ask you to take a moment, uh, share a word of greeting. Uh, there are um, academy students and college students who are back in town or here for the first time. Some of them may be here in the service or maybe somebody that uh, you don't know or haven't seen for a while. Uh, go, share a word of greeting with one another here as we gather as family to worship this morning. As we uh, gather together, there are uh, things happening in the life of our church at different times of today as well as throughout the week and upcoming weeks. Um, You'll notice that this this evening at 5 o'clock, we are hosting uh, Churchwide Potluck, and we would love to have you be a part of this gathering. We are especially welcoming uh, students that are back in town, but we want everyone to be there. It's a chance to interact with each other and just just share a bit of life as we uh, get ready to start the new academic year and whatever that may mean for any of us. So you see information in the bulletin about uh, things that you might be able to bring tonight to help out with that meal at 5 o'clock in the community room. Next Sunday, we move into our, uh, our school year schedule of worship services, 8, 20, 9, 40, and 11. Sunday school starts next week for children, youth, and adults. Uh, you will notice an insert in your bulletin with uh, Sunday school opportunities for adults. And you see a list of those, and then there are classes uh, for children as well and for youth uh, beginning next week. Uh, also, the adult choir will begin rehearsals this week. And if you have been in the choir... Hope you'll come back. If you haven't been in the choir, this is a great time to join and be a part of this group that helps us worship and see rehearsals are Tuesday evening. We also have ministry opportunities available for you to help in Sunday school as well as helping with Wednesday night children's program. There's information in the bulletin about that. It's an opportunity to give of yourself to our children and to nourish them as uh, we help them ground themselves in the faith. And you can be a part of that. So I invite you to... to, uh, Use your gifts and consider using your gifts for this Wednesday evening and Sunday school ministries. There are always a lot of uh, concerns for prayer. We want to uh, remember those that are connected to us who are in need. We also want to pray for things in the world, uh, Egypt, Syria, uh, especially Iraq, places where there is uh, just ongoing violence and uh, war, and we want to pray for peace. We also this week are uh, commemorating the 50th anniversary of the March March on Washington and uh, Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. And you may have seen a number of things in the news about that. And just to continue to pray for God to break down barriers in our nation as we uh, love each other and care for each other as, as people here and around the world. I want to invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. 
Heavenly Father, you are perfect in love, power, holiness, compassion, and truth, and we are not. Forgive us for being more concerned with taking love than with giving love. Forgive us for being more concerned with wielding power than with embracing weakness. Forgive us for believing that holiness is defined by behaviors we check off a list than with openness to being filled by your spirit. Forgive us for being unmoved with apathy toward people in need rather than being moved by compassion like Jesus. Forgive us for minimizing the truth so that people will think well of us rather than embracing the truth that sets all of us free. And forgive us for giving others the impression that we are more like you than we are. In your grace and mercy, hear our prayers and give us fullness of life that can be found only in you. Amen. Our Old Testament scripture reading is from Psalm 136. And we are going to uh, read this uh, responsively as it uh, is written responsively in the psalm. Uh, After we will, as a congregation, we will... uh, say the first phrase of each verse and the singers will respond with uh, his love endures forever. We, uh, there will be a brief pause after each one of our phrases and um, we, are, we are praying that this will give us a little bit of a taste of what it might have been like as the Israelites sang this psalm in their worship. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. 
and brought Israel through the midst of it. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sion. King of the Amorites, and Og, King of Bashan, and gave their land as an inheritance. an inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low estate. And freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. As the ushers come forward, please join me and stand as we sing the doxology together.
The Good Shepherd invites us to come to Him with our burdens, our concerns, the needs of our lives, of our world. As we pray together, you may, you may feel that you would like to come and kneel at the altar. It's a place where you want to express your prayers and offer your prayers to God. If so, please come now and join me. Father, we have come today declaring that you are indeed the good shepherd who supplies our needs, who feeds us, brings our wandering spirits back to you, and leads us in your mercy through your paths of truth and grace. As we gather in this place as your sheep, we hear your call. We've come today to surrender ourselves to you. Father, most of us come today with some kind of burden on our hearts. We ask that you would heal all who suffer and comfort all who grieve. Give encouragement to all who are sad and discouraged. In every moment, every circumstance of distress, of pain, of sorrow, of struggle, of anxiety and fear and worry, help us find in you and in one another your grace. We pray, Father, especially for all who are in transition at this time. As as some of us begin new chapters of life, pour out your blessings upon us. And we ask that you would help us to sense the peace of Christ, the joy of new relationships, and the grace that you provide. Father, we think back 50 years And we remember the march on Washington and Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. And we are sadly aware that racism still plagues our nation. Inequality in the job markets, hatred, violence in our city streets forbidden opportunities for hope and life. We pray that you will forgive us. Help us to see anew the pain of racism and give us grace to minister to people who live with such deep scars and pain because of it. Give us courage to be voices for change and a presence for hope because we know you've created all of us in your image and because your love has no boundaries. 
We pray, Father, for this world. I think especially of events taking place in Egypt, Syria, Iraq. We pray for peace in the midst of war. We pray for your grace upon the many, many innocent people who wake up every day thinking about family and work and love and life just like we do. And yet face such great risk and fear because people are grasping for power and greed. Because anger and hatred and war We pray for your mercy. As we embark on another academic year, we pray for grace upon all who are called to teach, all who come to learn, all who are in places of leadership, all who are involved in tasks of support. To all of us, we pray your love, your encouragement, your grace. We pray that you do more than we could have dreamed or imagined this year. Release your power on our lives that this will be more than just a year for learning academically as much as we want that, but that it will be a year for growing deeper spiritually. We pray that you will light a fire in this place, in our lives, in this church that will burn with passion and love and holiness that we here and people around the world I come to know you in a new and life-changing way. Father, help us to know your grace that we might walk in your peace, walk in your ways. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Please join me in the New Testament reading this morning that can be found in 1 John 4, 7 through 16. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that he might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. This is the word of the Lord.
Father, we thank you. You've, you've called us to be your children. We probably take that for granted. Help us today to understand more of what it means to be your children. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. Please be seated. I think there's a point where you can be grateful to God and not be a follower of God. But I find it hard to believe that you can be a follower of God and not be grateful to Him. I find it hard to believe that you can be a follower of God and not be filled with gratitude to God. And in some ways, gratitude is is at the foundation of what it means to be a follower of God. What it means to be holy. What it means to be living in, in the presence of God because gratitude is rooted in humility that declares God has done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And we want to say thank you. There is something about gratitude that expresses a, a realization that God is greater And that the best thing we can do is to surrender whatever we have, whoever we are, to him. We tend to to think about gratitude in two categories. One is we we feel gratitude about things that, that we are prevented from experiencing. And we feel gratitude when we are rescued from things that we do end up experiencing. The first dynamic of things that we we give thanks because we didn't have to go through that i think the difficulty for us is that we often forget that god is doing so much behind the scenes that we don't even realize we ought to wake up every morning and say god i don't know what you did yesterday to spare me but thank you and to acknowledge that and on the other side of it we we have a tendency when problems come to us and God doesn't react as soon as we would like we have a tendency to accuse God and turn on God and sometimes to think when it's solved we had a lot more to do with it than he did we tend to forget to be grateful i think the israelites tend to forget to be grateful too That's why over and over and over again, the writers of Scripture of the Old Testament keep reminding them. And Psalm 136 is one of the places where they're reminded. We really have very little information about this psalm. It doesn't tell us who wrote it. It doesn't tell us when it was written. It doesn't tell us what kind of uh, incident might have spurred it being written. We don't know the chronological time of it being written. We just have this psalm. And maybe that's better because it doesn't limit it to a person or to the context of a particular event. It's just a universal adoration. A universal psalm of praise. The Jews tend to call this the great Hallel. The great praise, the great psalm of thanksgiving and praise. And in this psalm, they are reminded of who God is. I get the feeling when I read the psalm because it references a lot of the things related to them just coming out of Egypt that maybe this is a psalm that God gave 
to someone to write to, to help the Israelites know who he is. He, he's new to them. They don't understand who he is. They, they've forgotten all their years in slavery about some of the ancient stories. And, and they haven't had the kind of connection with God. And here he has called them out. And, and they're trying to figure out who he is. And this psalm gives them some sense of that. And as they go through the desert, as they prepare for all that God wants to give them, it's a way of reminding them. But down the road, they need to continue to be reminded as well, as do we. And what does the psalm tell us? It begins by saying, give thanks to the Lord. First three verses, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. And the last verse, give thanks to the Lord. It's how it begins, it's how it ends. Give thanks to the Lord. Be people full of gratitude. Why? Because every good thing you have is from God. Every good thing that's happened in the world in your life is from God. Verse, up to the verse 9, he talks about how God has created. He's created the sun, the moon, the stars, all the things of the earth. God has created all of it. Everything that in this world is created order that blesses us and encourages us and inspires us is a gift of God. It's all there because of God. The, the, the thousands of different kinds of flowers are from God. All them kinds of animals are from God. And it's not just about inspiring us. He, I think he wants us to understand that, that life is not randomness. Life has order. There is createdness. There is a creator. And because there is a creator, you and I have purpose and significance and meaning and value. We are not just, ran, we don't just randomly appear. We are a part of God's creative plan. And there is significance to that. And the rest of the psalm is describing how God has rescued Israel. He's not just the creator, he's the rescuer. And he talks about how he has rescued them from Egyptian slavery and brought them out. And once they come out, then as the, Israel, as the Egyptian army chases them, God takes care of that. As the kings are in, in, around them attack them, God takes care of that. And he rescues them. As you read through that psalm, some of it makes us a little bit nervous. It, you know, it kind of offends our 21st century sensibilities to have a, a psalm about God has killed kings. God has buried Pharaoh and his army in the sea. We kind of go, ooh, I don't know if I want to sing a song about that. Part of that is some people will say, well, it's because the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. No, it's, it's the same God. The context is different. The experiences might be different. It's the same God. What we need to understand is that Pharaoh, his army, Sihon, the king of, and, and Og, these kings, are, they are not innocent bystanders. To Israel happening to live in that time. They are ruthless oppressors. They create a sense of anxiety and fear in Israel. Their goal is to enslave Israel and to attack Israel. And to eliminate God's people. God's covenant people. And God doesn't always do this throughout Israel's history. But here at the beginning he steps in. He rescues them. And he ends the threat 
So that Israel doesn't have to look over their shoulders all the time. Wondering if the, when the Egyptian army is going to show up and drag them back, they're done. We still might say, well, maybe they shouldn't sing so joyously about it. Let me ask you this. If, you, if there was a, a ship out in, out in Lake Erie filled with people, maybe some of your family members who had been kidnapped and were going to be trafficked somewhere. And the authorities found out about it and, and took over the ship and in the process of that eliminated all of the captors. When those people came off that boat and you saw your family, is your thought, oh, I'm sorry they had to eliminate the captors? Or is your thought joy that your family is safe? And all of these people are safe from horrendous things. It is a celebration of what God has done in rescuing. And God has rescued us from our enemies, from our great enemy, and set us free. And we celebrate that and we give thanks to God for that. It's not that we've done something so great to set ourselves free. It is that God has set us free. And ultimately, we give thanks because God who does all of this, who brings all this good into the world, into our lives, it's because his love endures forever. Translation, different uh, translations word that repeated phrase differently. His love endures forever. His, his love never ends. The message says his love never quits. There's something about that that strikes a nerve with me. Because we all experience Love quitting. We've quit loving other people. People have quit loving us. We know the pain and the agony of of people saying, you're too much. It's too much baggage. You bring too much into this. I can't handle it. You're, you're, you're You're too clingy. You're too distant. You're too sensitive. You're not sensitive enough. You know, we we have all of these things in our relationships that drive us away from each other. And we know that pain and agony of someone saying, I don't really love you anymore. I don't want to be around you anymore. I'm not all excited about being your friend anymore. Whatever the context may be. And the psalmist wants us to understand God never does that. God's love never fades. God's love never grows weaker and it doesn't grow stronger because it can't grow any stronger. It's perfect. God doesn't weary of us. God doesn't tire of us. God doesn't give up on us. Even though, like Israel, we give God so many reasons to give up on us. You know, Israel comes out of Egypt probably less than a month and they're whining and complaining it's too hot we don't have enough food to eat we don't have water to drink and and eventually they say to Moses we were better off as slaves in Egypt who wants to go back to Egypt really to that oppressive slavery you want to go back that's better than this that's how much they have turned on God and what does God do his love endures forever his love doesn't quit They build a golden calf and they bow down and worship it. This is the God who brought us out of Egypt. And while God disciplines them, because that's what love does, his love never quits. As the years follow and they reject God, his love never 
quits. And you and I sit here this morning with all kinds of things going through our minds of ways when we've come to forks in the road, God's way, our way, we've taken our way. I suspect even this morning, some of us are sitting here realizing this week, I took my way. And we hurt one another and we reject God and we turn from God and we accuse God. The list goes on and on and on. And the scripture tells us again and again and again, God's love never quits on us. And that's what John is telling us in his, his first epistle. He says, this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent Christ. Why? Because we've rejected God. And Paul tells the Romans, while we were yet sinners, God sent his son. He loves us. He's for us. We give him thanks for that. We worship him. We celebrate him. Whose love never quits. Never gives up. Never fades. It's never different. This is God. This psalm is recited during Passover. And primarily because it, one reason it takes them back to the events surrounding Passover is that God rescues them and makes them a nation. But also Passover is a time to remember. To remember what God has done. To remember where God has brought them. And out of that remembering, hopefully, to instill within Israel as a people a deeper level of trust for God. Because the one who makes all these great, great promises keeps them. Everything God has done matches up with everything God says about who he is. And that's why we bring come to the table today. We come to this table to remember. Jesus says, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. And this table is not just about remembering. It is so much more, so much deeper. There's so much going on that we find hard to understand as, as we come and, re, and eat the bread and drink the cup. But one of the things that is happening here is remembering. Remembering God's love for us in Christ. And that's why through history, the, the liturgical prayer that is used in most formal churches when communion is served is called the great thanksgiving. Because it is a time to remember to give thanks. I read somewhere recently that someone said that love is, God's love is like the sun. The sun only shines. That's all it does. It shines. And when it shines, it brings light and warmth, but it just shines. And God only loves. Everything God does is out of his nature and his character of love. When he disciplines us, it's because he loves us. When he works in the world, it's because of his love. Everything God does, every part of his being is about his love. And like the sun, you can get away from the sun. We can go into an underground room that has no windows and no access to the earth, to the sky at all. And it's completely dark, but the sun's still shining. 
And we can run from God, we can reject God, we can turn on God, we can accuse God, but God keeps loving because his love never ends. I'm going to take just a few moments this morning to ponder some of the reasons why we should give thanks. Thinking about what God has done in our lives. Maybe some things that God has prevented them from happening. Maybe some things that God has done to rescue us out of circumstances we had no right to be rescued from. Certainly for Christ. In these few moments of silence, let's ponder together some reasons for giving thanks to God who is good and whose love endures forever. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, creator and sovereign of the universe. You made us in your image. And though we all have sinned and fall short of your glory, you loved the world so much, you gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners and won for you a new people by water and the spirit. He suffered and died for the sin of the world. And you raised him from the dead that we too might have new life. He ascended to be with you in glory and according to his promise is with us always. We remember the night he offered himself up for us. And he took bread and gave thanks to you and broke the bread. And gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, 
He was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Your church has continued in the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup. Therefore, in remembrance of all your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we ask you to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, which we offer in union with Christ's sacrifice for us as a living and holy surrender of ourselves. Send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ, that we may be one body in him cleansed by his blood, that we may faithfully serve him in this world and that we may look forward to his coming in final victory. Through him, with him, In him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. We're going to receive communion this morning by the mode of intinction. As you're released by rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup and eat it. And then you may return to your seat by the outside aisle. If you'd like to stay and pray at the altar, the altar rails always open. I'd like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. This may be the first time that you've ever worshipped here, but if you come today with a heart of gratitude to God and desire in your heart to know God more, please come. Receive these gifts from our gracious, loving, Heavenly Father. love is this oh my soul what wondrous love is this oh my soul what wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul to bear the dreadful curse for my soul What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of life to lay aside his crown for my soul, to lay aside his crown for my soul. Invite me to your side to share your bread and drink your wine. To 
God and to the Lamb. I will sing to God and to the Lamb. I will sing to God and to the Lamb, who is the great I Am. While millions join the sing with me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. This is my story. 
please stand and take your hymnals as we sing together hymn number 43, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship 
of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.